Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. It's real cash that never expires or loses value. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Daily cash is available via Apple Cash Card issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, or as a statement credit. Terms and more at applecard.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Prestige TV Podcast. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm here with Jody Walker. Hi, Jody. Hi, Juliette. How are you? I'm great. Jody, you've been my colleague for like 10 months now, and I always want to call you Jody Turner, as in the actress, even though your name is Jody Walker. I'm so sorry. I like, I like that you also lean towards calling me my first and last name at all times. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if you just leaned into it, it would click. <laughs> Um, we are here to discuss episodes seven and eight from season two of the Sex Lies of College Girls on HBO Max. And we need to begin with an apology. We need to begin with an apology to um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. We need to apologize to her family. <laughs> Last week, we talked about Whitney's new love interest. And we talked about, which I thought was noteworthy, that, that the character didn't have a name. Well, we learned it. It's Andrew. And he is played by Charlie Hall, the son of probably one of the most beloved actresses of all time, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So Charlie Hall, we see you, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. We apologize to you. I don't really care about his son as much, but I just felt like we needed to note that. So, And people noted. who slid into our DMs to let us know that we missed that fact, we also see you. Uh, thank you. I will say, you know, we're we're watching these episodes a little early sometimes. And mm -hmm. so, like, all the information is not always available. But when we were, Juliet, Juliet uncovered this fact immediately <laughs> and, and gave it to me, for which I was very grateful. Because immediately, the moment you told me, I was like, that's where I've seen him. I saw him in Veep. He was in, like, one episode of Veep as another try-hard character. He's got a beat. And I really think he's great in this. I'm really enjoying this. I think it's kind of funny that he's playing tryhards because he um, does not necessarily, like, he's the opposite of a tryhard, I think. Based on what I could glean from his social media and the fact that he's a Division One athlete and also that I just find him very cute and it makes me uncomfortable because I feel like Julia Louis-Dreyfus is someone I've known a long time, though obviously I don't know her. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't find him cute, but I do. <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about that, Juliet. Julia Louis-Dreyfus does not know us, and she will not care if we find her son cute. Also, all the things that you just named are, like, not representation that he is not a tryhard. <laughs> but 
<laughs> the fact that he's cute helps him out a lot. I mean, we'll get to more of the Whitney stuff later, but having just found this information out, thinking about the fact that I think the only other thing I've seen him on is Glee, I could not help but think he reminds me so, this character of Andrew reminds me so much of like a young Dan Egan from Veep as just like a total suck up, total try hard, like asshole that you kind of can't help but want to sleep with. Sure. And I love it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it as well. Um, side note, did you see that he went to the state dinner with Julia Louis-Dreyfus last week? I did see that. Someone sent it to me. Thank you again <laughs> for <laughs> my education in uh, approved nepotism. At least it has my approval. Also, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her son, Charlie Hall, and her husband, Brad Hall, all went to Northwestern, to which I say, go cats. Go cats. <laughs> In fact, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and I were in the same sorority as writer of this television show, Sarah Tapscott. So all comes together. Once again, as much as I relate to this show, I say that this is really your show, Juliet. It is telling your story. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, let's get into what happened this week. Episode seven, the Essex College food workers strike. Kimberly and her colleagues strike. Uh, Whitney's mother shows up. And there's a breakup and um, a museum. Quite quite a bit goes on. <laughs> uh, it's always a happy episode when Sherry Shepard is there. So thank you to Senator Chase for showing up. What was your favorite part of this episode, Jody? She's great. I, I liked that Sherry Shepard and her character, Senator Chase, showing up like brought together a few storylines. You know, she's there visiting her daughter, Whitney, but she's also helping out Kimberly, budding union representative. Um, Because I did, as much as I enjoyed Seven, I always think this show is funny. It always entertains me. The storylines were especially disparate. Like, especially Bella, I think. I was noticing that. I've, I've heard you say that. I think Zoe said it too, that like Bella is just in her own show and that, Really hasn't been my personal experience watching it. But in this episode, I was like, man, I don't even know if she's talked to anybody else this whole episode. And it felt kind of notable. So I was glad Sherry Shepard was there to bring it all together a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about Bella. So we were shocked at the beginning of the season, not shocked, but I guess surprised by how quickly um, the will they or won't they was resolved between Bella and Eric. And the answer was they will. And now they won't. (laughs) Follow up won't. He found out that she slept with Dan O'Connell, which happened last week. So, and the way that he found out was um, because of that character. What's that actor's name again? Uh, John P. Reynolds. John P. Reynolds, thank you. John P. Reynolds, as Dan O'Connell, was telling his staff that he slept with a, a woman at Essex College. So, first of all, I totally, I, I totally believe that he would tell people, but would he tell his staff about that? Well, I just think that last week we asked the question, is this guy a creep? And we kind of waffled on our yes. And now we can officially say this guy is absolutely a creep. He's a creep. This information has made it back to Eric, a college student, because this adult (laughs) runner of a show told his whole staff that he slept with a freshman in college. And then he described her in detail by saying that she was like an Indian young woman who couldn't stop quoting 30 Rock. That's so messed funny. up, man. Very messed up. Thought it was very funny. The 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 delivery of that was funny. Um, one thing about that actor. Can you remind me his name again? I keep wanting to. Say, I keep almost saying John P. Riley. John P. Reynolds. John P. Reynolds. 
I can't remember his name and I also can't remember his face because it turns out I actually have seen him on a TV show before, which I, it's like I, I never saw him, but he was on Mindy Kaling's Four Wedding and the Funerals. Four <gasps> Weddings and a Funeral. He was in that. Yes. Yes. As Duffy or something. I, yeah. That show is objectively terrible and I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um, Same. <laughs> it was really bad and I watched the whole thing. It features one of my favorite actors, Nikesh Patel, who is also on Starstruck, also on HBO Max, also recently Gosh. featured on my favorite podcast, Table Manners, with, with Jesse and Lenny Ware. Wow. I still love him. He's so, so hot. Let's get him on this show, except I don't <laughs> want him to be turned into a creep. Maybe he could be the one adult man in the sex lives of college girls that doesn't try to sleep with a college freshman. I would like unlimited rom-com content with Nikesh Patel. Like, com- like I would watch something with him every day of the week. I love Starstruck. Watch <laughs> it if you haven't. Absolutely. Anyway, anyway I, t- we, I was like, I've never seen this man before, but I just have like face blindness for this John P. Reynolds because I, I did not recognize him at all. And like, I think if I saw him on the street, I still wouldn't recognize him. Anyway, the specter of his character, Dan O'Connell, looms as Bella and Eric have broken up. And Bella handles it about as horribly as one can in that, like, none of her behavior afterwards is defensible, like, at all. What would you say was the nadir for Bella this week, in this episode, at least? I just, I I can't get over how self-destructive Bella is. I, I think Eric, like, really reads her for filth when they're kind of, like, truly going through the breakup. And he says, you work so hard to get people to like you, but then when people actually do like you, you push them away. And, you know, that was a pretty mean and direct thing to say, but it's accurate, and he has just experienced it. And I... I don't know if they're doing this on purpose, but even within the group of girls, even within the four roommates, she seems to be the least invested in, like, truly knowing these other girls who are her friends and also truly being known. I I actually think it's, like, a pretty well-drawn character of someone who is who reads as extremely confident, but has kind of like a deep insecurity that they won't be liked and they have to prove themselves with their talent. And so it was interesting to see that stuff come out in this episode, but it was also deeply sad because Bella had a really good thing going with like her magazine and her cute boyfriend and she just blew it up and she had to look at his gorgeous gay dads in the face and listen to them (laughs) say, get out of here. I, I thought the worst part was when she saw him and she was him being Eric and she was like, you need to forgive me. I feel yeah. like, and he was like, I need to forgive you. Like he correctly called her out on just focusing on how she was feeling and, and not him. Um, and I'm sorry, but she deserves to be broken up with. Like there's, there's no way to defend it. Uh, I'm grateful to Bella for bringing us back to what I thought was one of the funniest parts of the episode, which was uh, the, quote, mid-century biodome, which is what uh, (laughs) Senator Chase called this, like, wellness tent in the middle of campus. It's like the mental health dome or igloo. I don't know if it's like a mental health igloo in the middle of campus. (laughs) Well, she goes there at the end. It's like it's like a COVID eating situation, but it's bigger. It's like you know how restaurants have like the like the the fake igloos or whatever. It's that with West Elm furniture, and it's what the university is doing for mental health. It was it was a really funny moment. I, Sherry Shepard is such a great part of the show because whether both because of her own like comedic chops and also the, like the the writing for her character as being like a um just a a really like 
sharp-witted adult amongst all these, you know, young adults. When she's on, it's just like magnetic and so funny. And so she was absolutely hilarious about about what she called the mid-century biodome. And I was just glad to see it, to be able to talk about it. I think she said, what white nonsense is this? And I mentioned to you (laughs) in the doc that at my college, as my student job, I basically worked in the like, what was our equivalent of the mental health igloo. Like it was this all glass room. I used to work in the student center and there was this all glass room that they decided they were going to spend a lot of money turning into like a hangout spot for students where they could unwind and chill. So then I got transferred to like being the desk attendant there. It was the best job I ever had because I didn't have to do anything because no one came inside. It was crazy. You know what angsty teens and 20-somethings want when they're feeling shitty is to sit in a totally transparent space so that everyone can see them crying or moping. Yeah, that's what everyone's interested in. Exactly. <laughs> also, that it's like a it's like a university-sponsored place. That's where you feel safest. It's just Kanan rightly says when that is presented to them as some sort of solution to something or to nothing, he says, if you have the money to do this, don't you have the money to pay us? Right. And And that gets to the strike, which we should talk about. So in this episode, Kimberly and Kanan and their fellow Essex College food workers are on strike because uh, Kanan explains that they found out they're getting paid much less than the other schools. Is that supposed to be like the Ivy League? Like, what are the other schools he's referring to? I bet that there is some, like, there is some monitoring or sanction of... I mean, like the student job I had in college was like a sanctioned student job. Like you have those jobs for certain Mm. like reasons. You have to sort of like qualify for them in a financial way. And so I imagine throughout college campus, I mean, it's like minimum wage, which for the record is what I made at my student job. So I imagine there's some sort of student minimum wage that Essex College is not reaching if they haven't changed it since 1978. I think union rep Jody said, not Jody Turner. I wasn't I wasn't sure if he meant like other like parts of the Essex campus or other colleges, but I think he meant oh. other colleges. I think that's what he meant. But anyway, I assumed that's sort other of... colleges, but it was very specific to the food workers. So maybe it was yeah. other, other Essex student jobs, which would be so rude because food working, like working, that is the hardest job. So hard. And people are like definitely rude to you and really, really hard. Anyway, Kimberly gets really involved in this. She's really excited, though. She's probably not necessarily cut out for organization. I wouldn't say she's like the most galvanizing organizer. Nevertheless, she had Senator Chase to come to campus. Um, and then she has Senator Chase quote the founder who it turned out to be a slave owner. And the quote was about, was about labor. So, so not great for Senator Chase. I have to say like, though this episode, as you said, was like really disjointed and I didn't particularly love it. There were some like funny beats to it. And like a lot of the ideas were funny. It just like lacked, it lacked like execution, I suppose. I don't, I don't know a better way to say it. I do think what we're seeing over and over, though, and it's interesting to think about the structure of the show and the way they've decided to release it, is like episode seven, I enjoyed, but it was a little disjointed. Then I immediately watched episode eight, which brought all the girls together and was like a much more communal effort. And those two episodes are released together. The sort of two-episode structure that HBO Max has adopted a number of times, especially for its comedies, is kind of an odd one that I've never understood. But 
it, but the show itself does seem to be working within it. Like, I, I do think when they're writing it, they're thinking about that these are going to be released in two episode chunks. Would you have, rather have five weeks of 45 minute episodes or do you like 10 episodes, two per week? Basically, do you want five chapters or 10? I think I want to cruise through 10 episodes of this show. I mean, I, I think it is, I think it is highly bingeable. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that that would make it a very, a different experience, a different show. And it's, and it's fine how it is. Like, I, I, I like watching it week to week, but I, I think if it was going to be anything else, it would be drop all 10 at once. I, I always preferred to have it parceled out. Like, I, I really, the shows that like I remember and that stick with me are the shows where I have to watch them like on the release cadence versus over one weekend. Um, and so I, I'm not sure I would like this show would have the same impact for me. But on the other hand, I do like a Netflix comedy. Like, I don't know. I, I've, I lament the loss of, of uh, friends from college and, and I regret watching that so quickly. <laughs> Another bad show that I watched all of. I love that show. It's just, it's, the characters are so hateable. But the show, I do like the show. <laughs> I, I think Starstruck is a good example of that, though. Like, that is one that sticks in my mind of, of watching the first episode and being like, I can't believe I get to watch five or seven, however many the first season was, like more episodes of this right yeah. now because they released it all at once. And it was just like such a treat. But then I also think that that show is not as well known as it should be. And that could be thanks in part to the, you know, the release schedule. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Here's the headline. If you're with Verizon or just joining Verizon, everyone can get their best phone deals. You can even get an iPhone 15 on them with any iPhone trade-in, any model, any condition, guaranteed with unlimited ultimate. Visit verizon.com to shop. Eight twenty nine ninety nine, dollars 128 gigabyte only, device payment or full retail purchase with new or upgraded smartphone line on unlimited ultimate plan, minimum $90 per month with auto pay, plus taxes and fees for 36 months required. Less $830 trade-in or promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR, trade-in terms apply. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms, all rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. 
car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. The strike is a success, even though for Kimberly, per- personal loss in that uh, her hookup buddy Jackson, with whom she's ho- having very loud sex at the beginning of the episode, still patronizes the uh, various... He crosses the picket line, basically. And he doesn't really get why that's a bad thing to do. I thought this was just sort of like weird. Like I just like the whole thing didn't really like play. I guess they're building up to what happens in the next episode, which is they DTR and become officially dating. But like, I just didn't really care about if Jackson is respecting the union and, and their strike, not because I'm like anti-union or anti-strike, but because I'm just like, I don't really care what Jackson thinks or Jackson's politics. He just didn't seem to understand that he was doing something wrong. And then the moment that Kimberly told him he was, he was like, oh, I'll throw this box of shrimp away. No problem. There was no like real tension in the situation. I also though, it's a a tricky situation. I'm not crossing that picket line, but it's kind of tough to ask your friends not to eat. Like, I think they're on a campus where most of them don't have cars and like the dining hall is the only option to eat. What if you're on scholarship and your meal plan is covered and like you can't afford to get food elsewhere? Like probably Kimberly or Kimberly before she lost her scholarship, except I did really love the ongoing joke of her like pulling boiled eggs out of her pocket. So gross. (laughs) Very Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, Just so gross. It got me every time. I just like don't really care about Jackson, but whatever. He's hot. I don't mind him. He's so hot. (laughs) Yeah. I I liked that even Senator Chase was like, that is a wide young man. It's like you can't really help but comment upon his like sheer stature when you see him. He's just he's he's Paul Walker Jr. to me. Um, We're going to come back to Layton in a minute because she has got a a big storyline in episode eight. But we'll just say this week she's trying to in episode seven. She was trying to seem cool to Tatum, which was just sort of like total latent latent filler of like her working through her relationship. I didn't really love it. I think that that was actually the downside for me. I like seeing Leighton kind of at her worst, but it was hard to believe that Tatum would like the girl that Leighton was presenting to her, like as someone who's always kind of talking themselves up. And although I will say her flirting style of being like, I'm going to ignore this text for exactly four hours, unless it's a question, then I'm going to ignore it for 24 hours was deeply relatable. Me too. Oh, totally. I was like, Great, great strategy. And Leighton, we <laughs> and agree that was a sleigh. <laughs> and it was a sleigh. <laughs> and then Whitney, uh, I'm disappointed in this Whitney situation. Whitney's storyline, both of these episodes, was about a man. And while I find him hot, I want more for Whitney. Whitney's, Whitney's mom comes to campus, and her main thing is that she doesn't want to take an internship that her mom gets for her, which is great. And that was, you know, commendable. But then it very quickly just is all about her. And, and I keep wanting to call him Charlie. He looks like a Charlie now that I know his name. Her and he Andrew. And they they have sex at the end of the episode. Okay, but that was pretty exciting. <laughs> it was. And he, <laughs> it's a very attractive couple. I really liked her outfit when she was wearing a skirt. And he was like mad that she was wearing a skirt because it was not like science safety. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Um, I like them, but I was just like, oh, I thought we were moving past Whitney's storyline being about a boyfriend. I felt like they balanced it okay with like her continued pursuit of the science arts. Like I, I did like, I did like how into her lab she was and 
And I mean, I just, I can't help it. Like I love an, an enemies to lovers storyline and that is what they're wow. doing. And I was the, you know, top complainer about all of her storylines being about men. But to me, like Andrew is not really becoming a character. He's not like this fully realized thing like Kanan or that coach were. Um, but I don't want her continued storyline to be all about Andrew. And I don't believe that it will be because this is not about to Eric and no. Bella itself. Like, he's not becoming a boyfriend. He's becoming, like, a full-time competitor. And Kanan is making his way back because uh-huh. in the next episode, she... Well, first of all, uh, Kanan and her mom interact, which, like, it's a, it's impossible to have Kanan and the mom interact without that like coming back up like it can't just be like random even if it's next season it has to like it has to be something i'm sorry and then kanan catches whitney and andrew having sex in the stacks in the library like isn't there a room or a slightly more secret place it was completely out in the open like the campus library at Northwestern had rooms. I would say that exhibitionism seems to be a big part of their interest in each other. I think that everywhere <laughs> they've had sex has been like deeply public. But at least with the, the lab, you could like lock the door or something. They were just there. You could, but they didn't. There's no suggestion <laughs> that they did. I, I It was so public. And when he was like, Whitney, I was like, man, you this is so intimate. I mean, they were like, it was happening. Mid-coitus. They were mid-coitus. <laughs> they were mid-coitus. And then they jumped apart. I was like, well, that's not helping the situation. Things yeah. are everywhere. <laughs> but I did Gross. really love Charlie Hall, a.k.a. Andrew, pretending to read a book while his pants were still at his ankles. <laughs> Just like excellent <laughs> college boy work of, of acting like nothing is going on. Also, Kanan being like, I just came to get a book about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> also very, very funny. Um, and then when he sees her at the party and tells her that casual looks good on her, um, she liked the compliment. But Whitney, it can't be casual with Kanan. Just stay away. I also thought it was kind of a strange compliment. Like, because the kind of the suggestion was like, you looked good having that casual sex with another yeah. person. It was like a very strange compliment. Also, but also the like, casual looks good on you. Like another person looks good on you. Like, what is that exactly? Or mean? like, should we be <laughs> casual again? What yeah. is the suggestion? No, and the answer is you should should not. Just to be clear. I like most of the men on this in this show. Kanan can just get away with like not very good flirting because he's hot. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, My favorite thing about Andrew is his water bottle. And really, it's my favorite (laughs) thing written about Andrew. He carries around one of those giant, like, it's like a water, it's like a keg of water, like a mini keg of water. It's like hydro jugs. It's like, it gives you like times of the day. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like constantly drinking it. And it's pretty funny. Um, It's just a great touch. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think everything about his character is really well drawn in like a very short amount of time for like how pretentious, but but also like driven and focused he is and how he does not need to be liked. Like he is not like yeah. Bella. When she says, you're just playing on your phone, he says, no, I'm shopping for, sw- <laughs> for swim shoes. Like he does not need to be seen as cool. And I, and I like that about the character. Also, I think to your point, though, like, he's not long for this world because he's such an archetype. Like, he's not, like, a, a, a different... He's not, like, a character with depth, which we don't need from him, so it's totally fine. 
this episode was called Pre-Frosh Weekend because uh, Bella's friend from home, a family friend, and Leighton's cousin, who we don't see, come up to campus to visit before deciding where to go to school. And let's talk about Leighton first because um, Leighton, in this episode, as a result of her cousin coming up to school, her father drives said cousin and it gives her the opportunity to come out to him. And I thought it was a pretty sweet moment on this television show. What do you think, Jody? Oh, yeah. I thought it was sweet, too. I love Rob Hubel in this role. I just yeah. think that he's great and they're really um, good and natural together. And you really buy him as this dad who's, like, obsessed with this college and is so glad his daughter is there. Um, but I thought it was, like, a, a super interesting choice to have her she's sort of planning to come out to him in this private moment. And then he tells, he starts unloading about all these stressful things that he and her mom are going through. So she ends up not doing it and waiting until it turns out that Tatum's dad and Leighton's dad are old friends from college. Unexplained why Tatum's dad is there that weekend. I guess he just is. Um, but, you know, they run into each other at the club or some sort of, like, leather I'll chair. i till I die. <laughs> Classic frat bros. And uh, end up all eating dinner together. And Leighton tells Tatum that she's not out yet. And so she can't, she's not, like, ready to discuss the fact that they're, like, casually dating each other. It's an awkward, the fam, the awkward family dinners in this, in this show always hit. <laughs> I love they're always them. accurate. I mean, it's always, it's always great. And so then she uses the dinner just to be like, to casually say, casual is the theme of this episode, to casually say, well, I'm gay. I'm just going to keep on living my life and being gay. And Well, and I thought it was funny. really sweet that like both Leighton and her dad are watching Tatum and her dad have a very natural conversation about dating and about, he says, like, you should find a smart girl like Leighton to date. And I thought it was sweet that they were both having the same experience of like, I want that with my dad. I want that with my daughter. And so then it winds up that... uh that Leighton just just tells him right there at dinner with the girl that she's casually dating. And it goes fine. He, like, needs a minute. I, I ultimately can't totally remember what for. It wasn't anything bad, he said, but... He said, I needed a minute to think about... He's basically, I need to think about my parenting. Like, how did I not yeah. know? Um, yeah. And then she was like, well, what does it say about me that I was able to hide it so much? And it was ultimately, like, a sweet moment. Um, I also thought that it like made me understand Tatum and Leighton a little bit more, like for everything that like let the previous episode lacked, this kind of showed that like clearly as Tatum's dad says, she, she smiles with her teeth when Tatum's around and like mm -hmm. that she, re she really feels comfortable around Tatum so much so that like, she like got the courage and the, maybe like the, the comfort to be able to come out this way. And I thought it was like a real testament to you know, her feeling comfortable. And then her dad very sweetly is like, are you happy? And mm -hmm. Leighton's like, well, that's a really loaded question. But like, in terms of my sexuality and dating, she's like, yes, I am. And I just thought it was just a really nice moment on a show that's like often, you know, kind of slap some, sometimes slapstick, sometimes gross out, which is like a lot of sort of like broad humor. This was just a real moment of sweetness and I love sweetness. So it was really nice. <laughs> I love sweetness too. It was great. And then of course it was all dashed and ruined or at least potentially ruined when at the end of the episode of episode eight, when she is finally uh, like hooking up with Tatum, I think for the first time, at least to that extent, seems like they're having sex. Yeah. 
her ex-girlfriend, Alicia, text to hit her with the old thinking of you text. Nothing <laughs> nothing to ruin your well-established happiness like a thinking of you text. The actress who plays Alicia is now in Grey's Anatomy. And so she's still a part of my life. And she's great on Grey's Anatomy. So I doubt she's coming back because she's got a full-time job. But what do I know? Maybe you can do both. I think I saw a preview that it suggests she will at least be back for one episode. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll have to find out. <laughs> Elsewhere, Bella's hosting her family friend, Priya, who used to be a dork. And now she's hot. <laughs> That's sort of like all you need to know. Bella like forces them to have a dorm party to impress her. And um, the Priya goes to a different cooler party to which Bella was not invited first and then shows up and like explains that she doesn't want to be known as like the dorky girl. And it was just, again... Not a storyline I cared for. I, I think I think Bella's gone awry here. She's wayward. She is she is spinning into like an untenable insecurity. I mean, that's what's going on in this episode with Priya. Is she keeps talking about Priya in a way that makes her they were both dorks together, and now Bella feels like she's established some level of coolness in college. Here's a question. If Bella wanted Priya to continue to see her as cool, why was she wearing like a full-on zoot suit in this episode? She was wearing the most insane pink suit and tie I have ever seen. I think she was wearing a tie for 100% of these two episodes. She it's was. getting to be too much. It's sort of like this weird, like, are you going for like a Michael J. Fox commentary? Like, is this like something? I don't, I don't get it. I, just I don't, don't know if I'm it. supposed to be reading into it in the way that like Portia's character on the White Lotus is intentionally dressed like Lizzie McGuire. Like, am I supposed to understand that Bella looks worse than ever because she is in kind of a worse than ever mental state and that's why she's wearing mm. her very largest suits? I don't know. It just felt like a strange choice when she's trying to be cool, when not three episodes ago was she wearing a toddler top to show off her, and I quote, titties. So <laughs> it was just, just deeply weird. That's a good, a good note. I do wonder if the suits, as it relates to Priya, she was wearing something a little bit softer with Eric, where I think she was wearing like a skirt with like a, like it was more of like a I don't know, like college girl kind of look. Like it wasn't like a Catholic school girl, but it was a little more like college girl. And now to your point about the zoot suit, she's sort of like, try, I think trying to like look older or trying to like impress that she is somehow different than Priya. So maybe that was a piece of it, but I think that's a really good note on on her fashion. Like what is she trying to tell us with it? Because it's I'm not be, good. It's not great. I'm going to be keeping my eye on it. Um, and ultimately Priya tells her that she went to that other party because... Uh, because Bella couldn't stop talking about what a loser she was in high school. And much like Bella, she is coming to Essex because she wants to have a change of scenery and a change of perception and be able to be the person that she wants to be and not the person that she's perceived as being in high school. And it, it ultimately ends fine, and Bella apologizes, but it seems pretty hard to be Bella's friend, which unfortunately I think is like also Bella's worst fear. And she's going through it in these episodes. A nice thing about her roommates, though, is like, because they all, like, they don't have anything in common with her except for, like, living together. And there's just, you know, which we'll come back to, like, do you need to have stuff in common? But, you know, because I think Priya is similar and they are, like, they used to be similar, 
came from the same place, uh, both Indian American or at least South Asian American. I feel like there's like a natural competition there. And one thing that's nice about Bella and her roommates is that she doesn't seem to project the same insecurities onto them. Um, like she seems, it seems to be like much more like genuine, which is one of the reasons I think college also like is special because you get thrown together with people that you wouldn't necessarily t- meet otherwise. And then when you, you, you find commonalities, we also just like find fun together. And I think yeah. to a certain extent, that's one of the reasons why the Bella is more likable when she's interacting with her roommates. We can't go any further without asking what the fuck with this, party in their dorm. There's no way. There's literally no way. <laughs> Juliet, the second she said we're throwing a dorm party, I was like, oh, Juliet, there's steam coming out of Juliet's ears. It's the most unrealistic show on a show filled of things that like might not be that realistic. But the thing was, the last time we talked about the dorm party, which I believe was in the premiere, they tried to throw a dorm party. And of course, it was a failure because no one wants to go to a party in a dorm. And I think they had like, you know, one bottle of what I assume was 99 cherries if they even still made bets. That's what we were drinking in our <laughs> freshman dorm rooms. This time, with no time to put it together, I don't know where Bella gets all of these, you know, golden balls hanging from the ceiling. She throws a raging party. She invites 200 people. A ton of them show up. And she gets a ton of alcohol. And it looks like a legit successful party that, as Juliet has well noted, would never happen in a dorm. (laughs) It was outrageous. Thank you for thinking of me (laughs) under those conditions. I I hope that you would. It was so ridiculous. And like, who would want to go to that? I mean, the other thing about a dorm party that's just a a non-starter is no one has a common room that big. Like, I know you can't really comment on the size of rooms on TV shows about college because they need that space for blocking or whatever. But like, there's no room to party. And like, you've more than three people in a room and it's hot. Like, it's just, it's just (laughs) not hot. It's just not happening. It was absolutely absurd. We just need, we haven't talked about Kimberly. That's because she doesn't do anything this episode except realize that she too has nothing in common with someone she spends a lot of time with. Except now it's her boyfriend, Jackson, who tells her that you don't need to have some everything in common with someone that you're dating. And to his credit, he's trying. He listened to a podcast about erosion, which does sound <laughs> quite boring. I'd rather read the article. Yeah, I definitely don't think that they need to have, you know, that much in common to be dating. I, I was just shocked by, like, the speed with which they're moving through this relationship. He kissed her on the mouth in public in episode seven, like before he went into the dining hall. I was like, I'm sorry. He is publicly kissing. He has, all we have known about him since he arrived on this campus is that he is having sex with a different woman every day. And Kimberly has just, you know, bewitched him body and soul, I guess. And he is ready to (laughs) publicly DTR and then privately DTR once they talk about that they don't, you know, have to have anything in common. Uh, they can just date. But I'm just surprised that he's her boyfriend. But I guess I'm glad for her considering the way that her relationship with Nico in season one always had to be this like secret, secret. private thing and then ended in the fact that he had a girlfriend the whole time. So good Hope for Kimberly. Hope Jackson. <laughs> Hope it's not. It doesn't seem true. He's being very, but he is, you know, he did come from a different college, but he just seems, you know, like the perfect himbo which means that he can't stick around for long. There's not a lot of depth here. Whitney mentioned that she had to do her final lab of the trimester. So I guess like... Did she say that? Yeah. And so I just still don't know like what season we're in, but it did set up next week's last episodes because like something here is ending. (laughs) Have we hit Christmas yet? I am so... I think we're beyond Christmas. Pre-frost weekend, I think it's spring. 
So we just skipped a few months. Yeah. After spending, I think, uh, like 16 episodes in the first three months of college, we just skipped a bunch of months to spring. I think that we might be finishing freshman year soon. We'll find out next week. If it is the last thing I do, (laughs) with your help, and probably only you are going to figure it out, we are going to uncover what the trimester... semester, six-semester situation at Essex Colleges. Okay, I'm on the case, Jody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out for us. Thank you, Juliet. We will be back next week to talk about episodes 9 and 10, the last two of the season. Thank you so much to Kai Grady for producing this episode. And we will be back next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.